how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles, where I sit down with today's best screenwriters, authors, and creatives. In this episode, I'm talking to Ed Solomon. This is a follow-up. We've had him on the show before, back in episode 46. Back then, we spoke about the series with Steven Soderbergh he was doing called Mosaic. We also talked about Men in Black, and Bill and Ted, Now You See Me, a lot of his great works. And this one, we're going to jump more to his new series, Full Circle, also... Uh, kind of partnered with Steven Soderbergh, and we're going to talk about what he's doing right now with The Blacklist, his weekly show that he's doing to help writers and give encouragement for those dealing with the writer's strike. Right now, we're well past day 100. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and jump in right now. Here is my conversation with Ed Solomon. So we spoke uh, a couple years ago when you were doing Mosaic. I want to kind of start with maybe a little bit of a follow-up. Like one thing you said that stuck out to me that's really stuck with me. You talked about sticking with projects longer than anyone else. Do you still feel the same about that? Is anything, uh, is that still kind of the, the path? Well, yeah, I remember when we talked and I was uh, feeling like one of the only <laughs> real skills I seem to have cultivated uh, that seems to actually be a definitive uh, plus is patience mm -hmm. and this sense of once you realize that nothing's going to happen at the pace that you thought it was going to happen at, or that you're in your mind, it was going to happen at that trying to rid yourself of this notion of time and, and rush allows me to deal with the constant uh, letdown of, oh, it's not ready yet. Oh, they have more notes. Oh, we were going to go into production, but the actors aren't available. Oh, they put it in turnaround. Oh, a new place wants it. Oh, they don't really. Oh, another, et cetera, et cetera. And that's part of why I started to develop the idea that I need to work on more than one thing at a time. Yeah. You know? And of course, once you've been doing it long enough, you've got so many things that are a quarter through that you've had been working on for four years that you an idea you've been noodling on that uh, that just becomes your day to day. Like, oh, I've just got a bunch of stuff. This is the only time the strike period mm -hmm. that I've uh, got literally no one waiting for anything. <laughs> really interesting. Yeah, tell me a little about that too, because so I'm I'm thinking of like like I have, I'm a freelancer. I have clients. Usually that the deadlines and whatever push the accountability, which is kind of what you're saying. With freedom, or like as a novice writer trying to break in, maybe some advice for those people. How do you know which is next? Would you kind of is is a given week all on one project? Do you switch day to day? How do you kind of do some of those things? I can never work on the same part of multiple scripts, meaning it's really hard for me to be in the middle of one script and be in the middle of another script in terms of, hey, here I am in scenes writing dialogue. That's hard for me to jump through, uh, jump back and forth between, I mean, 
Um, what I do do is sometimes we'll work on like, oh, I'm, I'm outlining something while I'm rewriting something else. That kind of thing I find I do very, very naturally. I think for new writers, it's not as easy or as good to jump around, mm -hmm. I think, between projects because it's so hard just to get through one, especially up in the first few. It's hard to get the muscle memory in so that you know that now I'm lost in the second act of something and it feels like it's not moving forward. I got to stay with that. I got to stay with the feeling that I don't know what the structure is anymore. I need to be willing to step back and reassess some of my, um, you know, original assumptions. And when you're jumping back and forth between projects, it's easy to not do that harder work, especially before you've developed a lot of the musculature for that. And so I think it's probably a good idea to get a few scripts under your belt first and allow yourself to do some bad writing and allow yourself to understand that sometimes you don't really know what the script is until you're finished with it and are revising it. I would strongly suggest to a newer writer, try to get through something mm -hmm. before starting something else. Once you're through something, by all means, start a new thing and then come back to the old thing and see what it, starting the new thing tells you about the old thing and see what having fresh eyes tells you about the old thing. Having more than one thing that you're nursing also takes the onus off any individual project of being the make it or break it kind of thing. And then also, I think, look, we're never as good as we think we are. Um, my scripts still to this day aren't as good as I think they are when I finish them. Mm -hmm. You know, other eyes on them or time, me plus time on it. I'm like, dang, it's just not what I thought it was, is it? it still needs work. Um, being able to understand that while this script is really important and need, you need to make it as good as you can make it, but being able to understand that it's just one of a lot of scripts that, that you're going to care equally about and make as good as you can. Again, it releases the pressure some, that sometimes causes like a log jam, you know, like I have to make this great. It has to be great. By the way, that's not the way to make it great. <laughs> it does weirdly need to be great, but going, I have to make it great is not the way I would, I would argue for a more compassionate approach, which is I need to make this as good as I can make it. I need to make it work. Is it working? Hmm. It's not quite working here the way I want it to work. It can be better here. What's it telling me it wants to be? Oh, I can make this better. It's like constantly working on it and constantly upgrading it and constantly, as I said, reassessing your assumptions on it. Oh, I wanted it to be this, but was that the right idea? Actually, no, this would be better. Or actually, if I do this differently, it means this, this, and this, and this have to change. And if those change, it's actually not as good. No, let me go back to the original intention and let me work on making the original intention better, et cetera. Do you think that um, that purpose you have, along with like time experience, allows you to be more open to like, because this is not as great as it can be, I'm open to throwing away a hundred pages. Cause that's so hard for young people to like, 
write a draft and toss it. And that's, it's really hard to wrap your head around. Oh man, you, you hit it, man. It is really hard. First of all, you never believe early on that you'll ever write a scene, not just a scene this good again, but maybe not even a scene again. You know, this is, this is what I wrote. This can't change. This is, you know, it took so long to get here. It's, you know, <laughs> once you can get past the idea that, well, I've written it, therefore it's done, but rather, well, I've written it. Let me look at what it's telling me it is. Actually, like 35 of these 125 pages are really interesting, but lead to a bit of a different script than I thought it was going to be. I need to get rid of you know, everything that's not those 35 pages or some version of that, that can be very freeing once you realize that it's just a snapshot, like a draft is a snapshot of something that's constantly evolving and morphing. And it can be very freeing to go, wait a minute, I just made this up. I'm just making stuff up. There's going to be a lot more. And of course, once you've gotten a lot more under your, a lot more pages under your belt you know you start to realize that uh you know it's all fungible and you can always reassess you can always make something better and you're always going to be wanting to make something better i <laughs> i mean full circle which i've only finally realized is is thankfully done it's out it's released it's over Nothing else I can do. Um, the full circle ended up being you know, about 400 pages. Uh, it was originally about a 586-page spec script. I originally wrote it in a branching narrative form. We threw away the whole branching narrative structure, did it as six episodes of linear storytelling so threw away a giant giant amount of it then had six approximately 60 page scripts and another 125 page branching narrative script that required at least as much thought and work because like diagramming out this you know 90 to 120 minute branching narrative story that we were going to do in addition to the linear version took a remarkable amount of thought and geometry and you know plotting we threw that whole thing out hmm. i have scripts that i've worked years on that have, i've done 15 20 drafts of that have either not sold or sold and not gotten made mostly when they don't work they haven't sold or or you know they, they're sitting there because they didn't really deserve to get made not always, but sometimes. But yeah, you just get used to the heartbreak of I made this thing and no one is going to see it. But it ha and it happens on a giant macro level. Like I wrote this entire script and it just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And it happens on a micro level like you're talking about, which is it took me 1,385 pages to get 103 that work. And right. sometimes that's just the case. And once you realize that you're, you're moving through a process to get something, pages matter less than the quality of, mm -hmm. of what you have. So quantity matters less than the quality of what you're creating. And sometimes it takes a lot of quantity 
to get some core quality pages. And sometimes core quality pages come really quickly. You spend a lot of time revising it only to go back to that. You know, the skills you develop are skills like, how do I know what's really working and not ultimately? Yeah. Do you think it's so part of my next question here is like, is this screenwriting 101 thing wrong? But do you think it's more so where you're doing these very experimental things, mosaic full circle, where you can't because some people would say, well, if you can get the outline right, you see that it works, meaning it fits whatever formula sells movies. Why do you like what goes between outline and writing it all where at the end it still might not work? I think this one might have been more like Soderbergh's like production schedule didn't make any sense at some point but like what are your kind of thoughts on like why can't you prove the concept in the outline before you start writing is is kind of my question well i would go back to a phrase that you said within that which is something about this is how what a commercial script it it works like it sells or like the uh, the this is what a commercial script would be and this is a formula that sells right there i think is is a gigantic trap because that's that's writing from the outside in, in all the wrong ways, uh, and it takes a tremendous amount of skill to do that and experience. And very few writers I know can do that, and you know I can't do that myself. That's where I think the screenwriting books screw people up more than they help them. Is they make people think that once you get this formula down, you just fill in the blanks after that. You know, that I think is wrong. Where does an outline actually tell the story? enough to know that you got something uh in certain scripts that's absolutely the case in mosaic interestingly enough uh, it was mid-march we were going to shoot in october stephen needed to know if he was going to commit to directing we had out an outline up on the wall of a gigantic you know seven hours of stuff and he basically said, I remember in about December, he said, if by March we we have a solid outline, I think I'll I'll be able to know we're doing this. And in March, he sort of looked at it as we went through it. I basically broke it all down for him. This is what I'm thinking about. And he sort of went, okay, I see this. And he said this, what follows, and it's going to sound negative, but actually it was very positive and very trusting. And I very much understand what he meant, which was he said, great, now all that's left is the writing what he was really saying is we have this outline that I understand. I trust you to fill in the scenes as you've described them. I get this. And then it evolved a lot since then, but at least we knew what the under underneath of it was. We knew what the, the underpinnings were. Not every project wants to be designed and built the same way. In fact, that's a trap. I think we often fall in, which is, well, the last one worked this way. So I'm going to apply that method to this one. To me, the only thing that, uh, that sort of stays between from project to project is not how you approach the, the, the previous project, but rather how you maybe assess what that project needs. Meaning when you first show up to a project and you go like, And by a project, I don't even mean a job. I mean something you think you might want to write. I always find myself asking myself some of these same basic questions like, how is this one wanting to be told? How is this one wanting to be broken down? How much, 
what comes first for me for this. Like some projects, I, I'll feel a character or I'll feel a world or I'll feel some movement between uh, an emotional sense of a, of a human being in one state, stage and then an emotional sense later. And I'll go, wow, I feel that. I can feel that journey and that pull. And I'm really interested in what causes all these things. And I start to fill it in that way. And sometimes that's through dialogue. Like I might write a bunch of different dialogue with no concept of, of, of context, but just some scenes to see what this character feels like and see if that's fleshing out. Put that aside. And I might go, well, if, if she goes from here to here to here, what does that mean story-wise? And then I might start putting a little, little plotting together, very light, always knowing I can change it. And so sometimes, and sometimes a project will be partially outlined and partially left to be discovered. And that's the best way to do it. And sometimes a project needs a pretty thorough beat by beat outline so that I know where I'm heading so I can write toward that. And it, the, everyone is different. So yeah. I personally can't say, well, you do that this way because I do it differently every time. And when I've tried to replicate processes from one to another, I found myself getting very baffled and sometimes not knowing why it's not working. Hey, it worked last time. Oh, this needs something very different. This one needs to be written in a crappy vomit draft without me even knowing where to go. And then, by the way, every script has an outline, whether that outline starts from the beginning or is accreted from the outside. There is a structure to everything. Mm -hmm. So the question is, at what point do you feel you can see what the structure is and see what the 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 essential DNA of it is and see what it really is about to you? At what point does that solidify? You know, and that can be at any stage in the process. I don't know if that's too abstruse, but that's how I look at it. I think for some people, the the idea of there being a formula or finding a way that works is comforting and like gives mm. you confidence. Assuming Absolutely. Assuming it's new every time, where do you get the confidence from? Or is it just more like, I know I've got to put this many number of hours to get in just to, like, how do you think about that when you, you know you have to completely start from scratch, not just a blank page? That is a very, very, very good question. And I got to think about that for a second. Because I hear that. I mean, it's really, really right. I personally love the blank page. I love the fact that I know that anything can happen. I kind of really like that. That does not intimidate me. But I understand that it's intimidating because a lot of people feel that the transition from blank page to writing is like a, a leap off a gigantic high dive. And it's terrifying. Um, if you can gently tow yourself into the water or just what I often find is and I'll get to your question in a second what I often find on this line is sometimes the best way for me to start a project is to trick myself into having started it without realizing it you know meaning rather than go okay I'm starting you know get all my stuff together here we go we're starting to quote right with a capital W you know is I'll start to maybe send myself a text with some ideas or an email to myself. Or I'll just go 
you know, screw it. I take out my phone and put on the recording, the voice memo, and I'll just start talking about it. I won't do it in any kind of plan that at 10 a.m. tomorrow I start writing. I'll just be standing in the kitchen doing the dishes and I'll, and I'll start talking about it. And then weirdly, you've started, you know. And the real thing is you've started the minute you started thinking about it. There are all these ideas we have in our head that writing is sitting at the keyboard with whatever, you know, final draft or whatever writing, you know, app you use and typing in screenplay pages. It's not. Writing is from the minute you go, I wonder what I'm feeling right now. Like, what's what am I curious about exploring creatively? You've started. Mm. And then it's about when do you start recording what you're doing in some fashion? And when do you start to commit to certain notions? And when is a certain critical mass starting to form? There's nothing wrong. I'm going to your question. There's nothing wrong with starting with formula. Mm. If you know that that's a floor, not a ceiling. If you know that that's not something to aspire to, but rather something to get past. That formula can give you comfort. I appreciate what you said about that. You're totally right. And, you know, I never read screen. Oh, I did read screenplay writing books early. That's right. I did. But I never ingested them very well. Uh, and in fact, actually, let me start that again. Because the truth is, no, I, I, I didn't read screenplay writing books until quite late mm-hmm. in the process. It might have actually helped me to have a better understanding of structure earlier to be honest. But it would have hurt me if I was trying to write to that structure and not through that structure. What those books tell you is, hey, pretty soon into the story, something needs to happen. I need need to understand the world and therefore the point of view from which the story is beginning pretty early on. By a certain point in the story, I kind of need to know where it's going or at least where it appears that it's going or i need to know where the characters think they're going at a certain point at a certain point things are going to need to come to some sort of climax you know etc etc that's what those screenwriting books are sort of reverse engineering for you if you're willing to go through the process of writing a few screenplays through that that's not a bad idea But my suspicion is, unless you have a kind of genius, thinking that my script needs to be this many pages long, it needs an inciting incident on this page, it needs rising action here, whatever these things are that they tell you you need, unless you're quite literally a genius, in which case you don't need the structure books anyway, that stuff's going to turn turn what you're writing into a kind of Frankenstein's monster of things as opposed to uh, making it what you what you dream of it being really truly um, having life. What I would suggest if somebody is um, daunted by the idea of writing a full 110, 120, whatever, 95, 130 page screenplay, there's an exercise that I discovered by accident and it was hugely helpful to me. I was doing an adaptation of a foreign film. And it was a pretty significant adaptation. 
but I had two issues. One was a very basic, very practical one. And one was a more creative one. The creative one was, man, I don't know how to get into this. I know what I want it to be, but I don't, I feel like I'm, I loved the original film a lot. And it's like, I don't want to break the seal of this beautiful piece of work. And I don't know what my way in is like I thought I did when I agreed to do it. Mm -hmm. The practical one was there wasn't an existing copy of it in final draft. So accidentally, I solved two problems at the same time. I put the film itself up in the corner of my screen opened up my final draft file. I was only doing this because I didn't want to wait around to like have somebody type one for me. That seemed like a stupid waste of someone else's time and kind of a weird thing. So I just opened it up and I started to type the script, uh, uh, transcribe the movie, I mean. Mm -hmm. And I learned many, many things. One, I learned how little dialogue is actually required in a screenplay. You'd think I would have known that <laughs> having been doing it already for 25 years at that point. I learned how simple action lines really want to be because I was just describing what was happening on screen as I was watching it. So it would be like, you know, um, Brock walks into the room, puts his hat down, turns. And then dialogue. I realized how unadorned it really needed to be to just convey it. Mm -hmm. But what I realized when I was done was, holy moly, I just did a version of this movie that is the foreign film as it exists, but I've now worked it through my bones. I've now I've now gone through the actual act of writing a hundred so pages of a script. And I felt inside it. That was what I surprised myself with. There's a great and easy exercise here, especially for new writers who want to get that feeling of having written a dozen scripts through their kind of body, you know, to get that emotional sense of, of having an intuitive internal sense of, of where things are supposed to happen and when things feel like they're slowing down and when you need to sort of bump stuff up and, and actually how little dialogue you need and how short scenes are and how late most scenes start and how early they end. Meaning, you know, they don't have beginnings, middles and ends, as, as we often put when we're first starting to write. A way to internalize the structure of a bunch of movies, to me, a better way than reading a bunch of screenplay books would be transcribe your 10 favorite films. Mm -hmm transcribe five movies in the style and genre of the movie you want to write. It takes less time than you'd think. I think it took me about, I mean, it takes about as long as it takes to type hundred pages, mm -hmm. you know, you put the movie on, run it slow if you can, or just pause it every page or two, type it out. It may seem like a pain, but when you're through it, it's fascinating. And what you've done is you've internalized the beginnings, middles, and ends of a lot of scripts, a lot of movies sort of from your brain through your fingers 
into your keyboard. And that I have found um, has a much more resonant and personal sense of, of structure than going by page 30. This has to happen. One last thing I'll say about that. Mm -hmm. I think screenplay books and any kind of screenplay writing rules have their place, but like anything, it's all about using them in proportion to what is actually healthy for you. Mm -hmm. So early to sort of look at and get a feel for, okay, there's a lot of stuff about structure here. What are the basic rules of it? And then I would probably throw it away for a long time. And then well later, I have found those books to be interesting to dip into once in a while and go, oh, right. You know, what does a character want? You know, that's important. Conflict. Oh, that's important. So many times when I get myself in trouble now as a writer, like I've write myself into a hole or into a corner and can't get out of it or, you know, a scene isn't working and won't work no matter what I try. Often it's because I've gotten too clever and I've forgotten some of the most basic rules like what does my character want? The things that an actor will ask, why am I in the scene? What do I want in the scene? What's stopping me from getting that thing I want in this scene? Why am I, like, why is this even really happening? It doesn't, so many times an actor will go like, why am I doing this? And I'll realize you're doing it because I thought it would be cool. But the truth is the character wouldn't actually do that. The truth is, this scene doesn't even belong, mm. you know, or whatever. Sometimes it's good to just real to, to read these books on occasion or dip into them later on to go, what are some of the basics? Because those basics are the things I always find myself going back to. I'm going to kind of meander a little bit because I don't quite know exactly what this question is, but there's this great speech by one of the Duplass brothers about the Calvary is not coming and it kind of encourages you to go follow, make the movie yourself and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of putting your reputation and maybe even your history with Soderbergh aside a little bit. Some of the things you guys are talking about, if this is finished by March, we can film it. Or I know I'm going to shoot this on iPhone or we've got this, we want to work with this actor those things make it real. Do you have any advice for actors? Or I'm sorry, do you have any advice for screenwriters who are still in that mindset of like, I want to get this done and then kind of hand the keys to someone else. Like you really have to have that passion to see it through. Any, any thoughts on that? If I were going to start my career over from the beginning, I would probably not go into screenwriting, which is what I thought was sort of the apex of the, um, television and film, you know, sort of narrative, performative fiction, whatever you would call it, world. Um, I probably would have gone into playwriting, novel writing. And then when TV became richer and more interesting, this is all, you know, this is all revisionist history of my own life. But when TV got um, more, you know, got interesting as it started to, you know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, which is not not coincidentally when Hollywood movies got less interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it used to be that movies were like the place to explore really interesting, you know, ambivalent, you know, kind of uh, ambiguous characters uh, uh, with, you know, um, sort of darker, more interesting backstories and, you know, present stories. and And television was sort of, 
you know, you know who the good guys were, you knew who the bad guys were, and you know who was going to win and who was going to lose. And then it sort of transitioned as movies became kind of anthems and television became the place to go for that. So what I would have done differently is gone into fields where I had more final not final say, but where the things I wrote was what people saw or read. Hmm. But as a screenwriter, what I would suggest is if what you're looking for is validation by the industry of show business, you know, then I guess it's like try to write something that only you could write. Try to learn how to write with a kind of confidence that makes a reader know this person knows how to write. Um, which by the way, is not some kind of whiz bang opening. It's just confidence in the storytelling, which is a whole subject in and of itself. But, you know, try to work on that, uh, have an idea that is really interesting to you. That's specific to you that you want to dive into and realize that you may not sell that script, but that script may show that you are a writer with a certain voice or a writer with a lot of interesting um, things to say, a different point of view. There's a lot of break given to new young writers who show talent, even if their scripts don't sell. If that's what you're looking for, validation by the showbiz community, and you want to let go of your script and be kind of on the map as a professional writer, I would just work on developing your voice and writing something that you know, shows that really is unique to you. If what you're looking for is having something made that's as close to, if not your vision when you're writing it, that you can stay with as long as possible to help steward the vision of it, I would suggest either do it in a way where you can make it yourself if that's what you're interested in. But if you're not interested in making it yourself, I would partner with someone who is going as early as possible, who is going to realize that. Now, as a first or as an as a new writer, it's hard to go like get an A-list director on your on your side. So um I think screenwriting if it's if it's screenwriting you're not going to be in a position to hold on to anything unless you're lucky enough to have somebody who believes in you enough that they're working to interpret what you're writing and make what you're writing or wrote better either someone who is a producer who really believes in that or ultimately is a director and that's really a matter of I want to say luck, but it's not really luck. It's luck in the way that winning a lottery, a raffle, that's probably a better word. It's luck in the way that winning a raffle is luck in that you don't know if your raffle ticket will get picked, but you have. But the more raffle tickets you put in, the better chance you have. So what are your better chances of having a good person attracted to your script? Well, that it's a really interesting script. That the That there's a stylistic... And that doesn't mean uh, surface stylistic, that, that there's a, a style to it that is cohesive and coherent. But the characters in this, I cannot stress this enough, that the characters that you've written, every single one of them, from people who have two lines 
to the people who carry quote unquote the whole movie are characters that a really good actor would want to play and what does that mean it means characters who feel real who feel whole who feel uh who you as a writer feel because at the end of the day and nobody talks about this part enough at the end of the day it's all about who's going to direct it and really who's going to act in it if you're trying to write a so-called hollywood mm. movie or even an independent movie it's really are my characters compelling more than is my structure perfect if your characters are compelling there will be a structure mm -hmm. because the characters will start in a spot and they will go through something and end in a spot and there will be your structure if your characters are juicy are um and that doesn't mean flashy and overwritten it just means they have a kind of heft and weight they feel like a really interesting actor can take it and go with it that's how you're going to ultimately get something made that's how a director is ultimately going to you know going to sink into it lock into it and it's also your characters more than your quote unquote structure that make a reader feel something and if you are writing characters which are felt meaning you're feeling these characters rather than just manipulating them or executing a concept of a character if you're feeling them it's a better shot you have a better if you're feeling these characters it's a there's a better chance that a reader will feel them when reading them that was perfect we'll, we'll do uh, one or two more so something you just said like kind of getting your voice and style out there some of that is the purpose of the blacklist that's how a lot of writers get noticed whether or not those projects get made Tell me kind of your involvement in it and then how word by word came to be what it is, where people can find out more about it. I had the idea for word by word when I was, maybe we were about three or four weeks into the strike and I was thinking about how in the first couple of strikes I ever was in, I went to film school. I took cinematography, I took editing and then in the, another strike i went and took a whole slew of uh fiction writing short story classes and i found them all so valuable and then i was thinking wow in this strike you know who knows how long it'll go i'd like to maybe do some more classes but like what kind of classes so then i was like well i know so many really interesting writers i've been doing this so long you know what if i just asked a few writers if they wanted to get together on zoom like in groups and just talk process and then i thought i asked a few people and they were like that would be great and then i actually thought it feels really greedy and selfish to hoard this so i thought well so i was thinking about that and then i was on a picket line and i there was this whole group of crew people that weren't crossing the picket line there were some stunt actors there were some hair and makeup people there was like a whole bunch of people and I walked over at one point, me and some of the other people online went, hey, thank you so much for the support on this. It was pretty early in the strike. And I realized as I was walking away, like, 
doesn't really mean much just to say thank you. You know, what can I really do to support? And so I thought, well, what if, oh, it's what if I put this thing together? What if we had people watch it? And what if we, initially I was thinking, what if we charge people, but all that money goes to the strike funds? But then I thought, I don't know. I don't feel right charging people during a strike because a lot of people just don't have any money. So what if we just made it free and made it, if you can, please donate. Hmm. So that was the original impetus for it. And I put out on Twitter, which I refuse to call by its other name, um, but it was called Twitter then. I put out on Twitter just a question like, hey, if I did a series of workshops, would anyone show up? And that's when uh, Franklin Leonard from the Blacklist DM'd me and said, uh, hey, we have an infrastructure. We can like get it up and running really soon, which was a huge relief. And th they've been wonderful. I've been working with them now on it. They've been great. It's been so, they've been great. Um, Megan Halperin and uh, Elisa Suarez and Claire Austin Goulart. It's been, they've been great. Um, and Franklin and Kate. But I didn't know how many we'd end up doing. So we did the first one with Lena Dunham and Susanna Fogel. And we wanted to make sure that we were not doing like how to get an agent and manager or anything that other people teach better. Um, it wanted it to be more like inner processor writing. And that was really fun. We had such a good time and I learned so much. Then we had Jesse Armstrong and Eric Roth and Tracy Oliver on the second one. And that was about called Fear, Failure and Fucking Up. And then I was like, wow. I'm actually learning a lot from listening to these other people. So then we just decided, let's just keep them going. So every Thursday, they're they're live now, which makes it hard for some people to watch. So we're going to end up uh, breaking them into like podcast type things mm -hmm. so that they'll be available. For, we've gotten a lot of people asking to be able to listen who can't make the certain times that we have it live, but we'll still keep going live for a while. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Uh, anything we missed or you want to say about that or full circle? Um, you know, I'm not doing a lot of press for full circle. I'm only doing things that are arranged sort of independently from, from the studio because, you know, for the, per the rules of the strike, the WGA rules. Um, I worked so hard on full circle and I really thought like, when it came out, it was going to be a real inflection point in my life because I thought, first of all, I'd be involved in all the press and I'd be involved at the junket and I'd go to the premiere. And there's a sort of ritualistic transition that happens when that kind of thing is going on as well. But the strike happened like the weekend after we locked picture and locked sound, which was a good time for me in that regard for the strike because my work is essentially done. The only work that was left was press and publicity and that kind of thing. And not doing that was, I thought originally was going to be really hard. Like I thought, dang, I ran this whole marathon. Now the, at the moment where you get into the stadium and just run the last 400 meters, I'm not going to get to do that. I thought that would be hard. In fact, it was incredibly, it wasn't just easy. It was kind of a blessing. Mm -hmm. I ended up going away to a silent meditation retreat with no phone and no cell service, no Wi-Fi, nothing. 
And I thought it was going to be really stressful. Like what's happening with it? How's it doing? You know, but I never thought about it. In fact, the only time I actually, it crossed my mind was when I went, oh yeah, you have a show, don't you? And I called it mosaic in my brain. I, I was that far out of it. And so I actually have appreciated just putting it out and not having anything to do with how it's framed or what's said about it. I don't even know how it's doing. I don't know what the reviews are like. I don't paint it. I'm not reading any of that. I've heard it's gotten, I've heard it's landed well from people and I've heard, I've gotten a lot of good, like, it's sort of like Groundhog Day. Like every time something comes out, like does the groundhog come up? And usually you can sort of tell by the amount of people that uh, reach out to you and then the, or the amount of people who are just absolutely silent you can sort of tell how something's doing um so i feel like it's it seems to be doing okay but it's been kind of great let me just put it that way it's been great not having here's the shorter answer i wasn't involved in any of the press because of um you know the the guild rules and the strike except for things that like this that we arranged independently of that and it's been kind of great not having anything to do with um the release of it and just being kind of ignorant of it it's forced me into a place of just you know it's out there's nothing i can do about it so it is what it is it's for people to make whatever they want of it thanks so much for tuning into the show before you take off i want to give you a free gift I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.